You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Oh, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Also want to shout out the Peacock and Williamson show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Brian Peacock and Matt Williamson covering everything from the national angle of the NFL, not just the Vikings. That is one of our flagship shows here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Go check them out. They're doing a great job over there. I am your host, your pal. And the Kitty Copy in Math Class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. And today we're going to talk about that fifth skill player, namely what the Vikings are kind of going to do. You know, you've got Thielen, Jefferson, Cook. That's all set up. We know what that is. You've got Irv Smith. We're going to talk about Irv Smith. But what about, you know, two tight ends? What about a third wide receiver? We're going to talk about do the story time for one of the candidates for that third wide receiver job that's gaining a little bit of steam. And we'll kind of talk about the pros and cons of, of you know, 12 versus 11 personnel mostly. So let's get into that. And I, I, you know, a lot of people, basically every mailbag I do, I get one or two questions about what are the Vikings doing at the wide receiver position? They can't just go in there with a competition between Chad Beebe, Ola B.C. Johnson, and some day three draft pick again, can they? But it kind of seems like that is exactly what they're going to do. And the answer to why is fairly self-evident because they've got two tight ends that they like. They like Irv Smith. They've been really, really excited about uh, Tyler Conklin. They've been a very heavy two tight end team for the last couple of years. So they're just going to do the two tight end thing again. And why do you need three wide receivers when you're only going to have two on the field? But having two tight ends and two wide receivers on the field gets a lot of backlash. So I asked the question, what is wrong with an extra tight end? And I think the answer to that question is typically gets less yards. If you think about a tight end, they are slower. Therefore, they run shorter routes. Wide receivers are faster, so they run longer routes. If you run longer routes, you get more yards when you catch the ball. Pretty simple stuff. Wide receivers get more yards than tight ends. They get more yards on average. They get better depth of target and all that stuff. And that last thing is really important. This is really a depth of target argument. You want faster players that go deeper, that stretch the defense more. And if you look at the depth of target of wide receivers versus tight ends, the tight ends are always taking the shallower routes because they're bigger and they're slower. But there is some advantage to having an extra tight end, namely the tight end is bigger and bigger is better in a sport like in a contact sport, right? Like football. Uh, so having a bigger player on the field does two things, makes you better in the run. And that's probably not persuasive to a lot of people, but you know, more beef, better run game, obviously. But I think the more crucial second thing is that it forces the defense into bigger packages. If you run from 12 personnel versus 11 personnel, statistically, I think on the whole, like 12 personnel is like a little better, but it's pretty variable. You don't get a huge advantage running the ball from 12 personnel versus 11 personnel. But the reason for that isn't that 12 and 11 are, you know, similarly able to run the ball. If you're going to run the ball, you want bigger players. The thing is, defenses will just put better, bigger players on the field in turn. So running against a linebacker is run harder than running versus a nickel cornerback. Up to this point, I probably haven't told you anything you don't already know. And the point of putting an extra tight end off the field is exactly to invite that to say, yes, put your linebacker on the field, make it harder to run and take your nickel corner off the field. Think about it. Would you rather play Mackenzie Alexander or like Nick Vigil? 
offenses want to put you in like exactly that conflict. And it's a trade-off. And so to win that trade-off, because you can kind of argue until you're blue in the face if it's better to be bigger, if it's better to be faster, and you, you know, you can have all sorts of philosophical discussions about that. Maybe we will someday. But really, to win the trade-off, you need to try to have your cake and eat it too. You need to get the faster guys on the field and make them able to block, or you need to get slower guys on the field and make them able to catch deep passes. So the way that I think the Vikings need to approach this, if they're going to go and be like a 12-personnel heavy team again is that they have to try to use their 12 personnel their Irv Smith Tyler Conklin Justin Jefferson Adam Thielen uh, core of pass catchers and I guess Dalvin Cook sometimes use that core of five skill players and try to simulate what the 11 personnel teams do because there is ultimately something about the way that the more wide receiver heavy teams like McVay's Rams LaFleur's Packers those teams do some things that are really, really exciting that if the Vikings are denying themselves access to because they don't have a third wide receiver for the 900th year in a row, that's probably a failure. And a huge, huge, huge part of that is, again, pretty obvious, stretching the field vertically. You have slower guys out all the time. And in 2020, the Vikings were dead last in the league in three wide receiver sets. They used it less than everybody else and by a pretty wide margin. They were doing something fairly unique relative to the rest of the league by putting tight ends out there more often, putting extra running backs out there more often as well. CJ Ham is also a part of this equation. And because, you know, they always had Kyle Rudolph on the field and they very often had CJ Ham on the field, they weren't able to stretch the field vertically as much. And that wasn't even really a problem for the passing offense, at least. You know, they had a lot of vertical concepts. They had a fairly high depth of target. They weren't exactly a dink and dunk offense. They were testing the field, throwing deep all the time. But there's still something about that McVeigh version of it that you feel like you want to steal something from because it is so often dynamic, especially now that they have a real boy quarterback instead of whatever Jared Goff was. So the way I'm going to put this is you kind of have to fake being the third wide receiver. Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin are not the third wide receiver. They're the first and second tight end, but you kind of have to fake it. And there's some concepts you can use and some principles about this and about those particular guys that I'm excited to talk about that we can, like, we can do this. It's not an impossible task to have a deep high-flying offense with two tight ends Kyle Shanahan did it Arthur Smith did it he's probably going to do it again in Atlanta and so there's stuff we can steal from them there's stuff we can steal from the other versions of the wide zone all these offenses are wide zone offenses these are all you know bootleg play action heavy things that will fit perfectly with Kirk Cousins but in ways that do or don't kind of dial into what skill players the Vikings actually have so if we can dial into the personnel the Vikings have and the things that they are good at and find a way to get explosive plays that only ever ask the Vikings to do stuff that their players are good at that's the holy grail that's what we're after and there are are some concepts out there that I think accomplish this that we can talk about. But first, it is big homers summer. We're being homers this summer and we're not saying sorry about it, which means it's time to go gramble on the Minnesota Vikings. They're plus 240 to win the division. If you are a homer in the spring, you got better odds. But plus 240, that means you're getting about three and a half times your money back if you win that bet. But if you don't feel them in terms of winning the North, maybe you don't feel as confident in like Aaron Rodgers leaving or something like that. And if he doesn't leave, you wouldn't like be, you know, having uh, bought into that bet. They are plus 120 to make the playoffs. They could be a seven seed also ran, but you still win your money. And their over under is eight and a half wins. I bet on all of those things. 
and I want you to take the plunge into hell with me. Head on over to betonline.ag. Make a free account if you haven't already, and when you make your first deposit, you can enter promo code Locked On, and you can get a 50% welcome bonus. That means if you put in, say, 200 bucks for your first deposit and you enter promo code Locked On, you actually have 300 bucks to ramble with. So take some of that money, put it on the Vikings. Let's all be homers together. It's big homer summer here on the Locked On Vikings podcast, and you can cash in on that at betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. So let's talk about what the Vikings can do with this particular personnel, assuming they don't acquire another wide receiver. And for the record, I am absolutely for another wide receiver. I kind of think it's a mistake not to get somebody who can at least provide more depth, because in addition to this problem of not really having an exciting 11 personnel, you also are like super not resilient to injury. And that in and of it, the latter is enough for me to say, hey, maybe go spend a couple million on a guy out there that like can be better than Chad Beebe here. But they seem really weirdly high on Chad Beebe and BC Johnson. Maybe they're really high on Amir Smith-Marset. Whatever. Now we're just kind of talking about the cards we have and how to play with them. So let's talk about how to get deep with Smith and Conklin in addition to Thielen Jefferson Cook. So a lot of deep concepts are not just send a guy deep and throw it to him, right? There's something going on there. And they're meant to create a deep horizontal stretch. And that means targeting a safety. No matter who that safety is, that safety can be Earl Thomas, that safety can be Ed Reed, that safety can be Paul freaking Krause. But if you target that safety, you can put them in a situation where they're wrong every time, no matter how good they are, and you can kind of read the good safety out of the play that way as well. So you give them a Sophie's choice. You send a guy to their left, you send a guy to their right, and you throw to whichever one they don't pick, that guy will be open. But to do that, the guys you send need to be able to get deep, and they need to be able to do so quickly enough to not ask your offensive line to block forever, especially in Minnesota, where that's not a recipe for success. So if you're asking Kyle Rudolph to lumber 30 yards down the field and you're asking Dakota Dozier to block until he's done doing that, you're going to have a bad time. Instead, let's ask Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin to do that. Now, look, these tight ends are not blazers. Irv Smith ran a 4.63 that's slower than Laquan Treadwell did, so he's not a wide receiver, and Tyler Conklin ran a 4.8. Great, great scores for tight ends for tight ends. But for pass catchers in general, those aren't the best marks. But the thing is, that'll get you down the field in time. It won't burn a cornerback or anything like that. You can't split him out wide and expect him to run past Marshawn Lattimore, but he'll be able to, you know, get down the field, find the hole in the zone, and get to that spot reasonably quickly. Both of those guys will, and you didn't have that with Kyle Rudolph. He would have to lumber and dad run down the field. So it's good enough to run those kinds of concepts. One of my favorites is double post. My One of my favorite concepts in the whole world is Mills, which is a deep post and then a dig underneath it, and it's basically a vertical stretch on the safety. You have a guy run deeper than the safety, a guy run shallower than the safety, and you make the safety pick one. And double post is in a similar vein. And the reason I like double post is because it works versus single high or two high shells. So if there's one deep safety, then you run a post at that guy and it forces the safety in a conflict. He either has to choose the post on the left or the post on the right, and the other guy will uh, you know, you'll have a throwing window and you can fire it in there versus two safeties. You would think, well, then, you know, one safety takes the left guy, one safety takes the right guy. But versus two safeties, you just tell the tight end, hey, if there's two safeties, run the route a little bit shallower, find the hole between the linebacker and the safety on your side, and we'll get a throwing window that way. And it's a really easy kind of side adjustment to make that I think makes for a pretty good concept. And the Vikings have run this exactly with Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin. They did it 
against the Saints and the Lions in week 16 and 17, once it was clear Kyle Rudolph wasn't going to come back and they kind of were in experimentation mode in that 17, that week 17 game, which I always find really interesting is, you know, what kinds of concepts are they trying out because now they're planning for next year. And what's uber mega cool about running two post routes, two deep post routes with tight ends is A, you probably invited an extra linebacker on the field, right? So you don't have a lot of speed on the other side. And even if, you know, Smith and Conklin aren't as fast as wide receivers, well, their guys aren't as fast as cornerbacks either. And when it comes to the wide receivers and the cornerbacks that are on the field, those guys can do whatever the hell you want on the outside. They can run deep comebacks, ISO stuff. They can do other weird concepts. They can uh, run something like a like a trips deal where they're both on the same side. They can do orbit motion. You can do whatever you want with those guys and, and staple it onto a double post and, you know, call it a play call. So whatever Thielen and Jefferson do, maybe that's even the first read, you're still getting a good deep stretch and and stressing that defense deep. Now you've basically forced the defense to uh, uh, respond to something in the deep middle of the field, and the rest of that real estate belongs to Thielen and Jefferson to create art. So I, I really like that particular idea, and I saw it from the Vikings. I thought, okay, this is really smart. There's another thing that they could kind of steal from Sean McVay. So what Sean McVay always did with all his fast wide receivers, McVay doesn't use the tight end. He's got like Gerald Everett or whatever, but he would, you know, he's got Cup and Woods and all these kind of speedy burner receivers that can be really fast. And something he would ask them to do was not necessarily run down the field vertically, but to cross over the field, run a deep crosser, start up, you know, lined up out wide on the right. And actually, by the time you actually catch the ball, you're on the left hash and you're 30 yards down the field. You got a ton of grass to cover. And here's the thing. The Vikings have asked Irv Smith to do this. And honestly, Irv Smith took a ton of snaps in the slot and out wide. But in December, after Kyle Rudolph had gone and it was the 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 Rudolph Conklin or the Irv Conklin uh, pairing, Irv Smith played about a quarter of his reps in wide receiver alignments. So like he was kind of wide receiver three. BB got a lot of snaps, too, and as, as like wide receiver three. But he kind of played the wide receiver three role like a lot. And crucially, his depth of target in those weeks was right up there with Thielen and Jefferson. So he was kind of playing that wide receiver three role. It was a fake wide receiver three role, three role. And that's what Irv Smith is. He's a fake wide receiver. And that has its pros and cons. But I think that is the wide receiver three plan is to have a fake one. So what can you do in 11 personnel that you can't do with Conklin and Irv in 12 personnel? I can aim a lot of things the other way around. A whole bunch of run things, but chiefly things you can do against three linebackers that you can't do against three cornerbacks in terms of like vertical stretches and stuff if Conklin and Irv are fast enough. And they're definitely fast enough to beat like linebackers down the field. Um, But look, the wide receiver group is not a three deep group. And in an ideal world, we're not in this dichotomy. We don't have to choose between Irv Smith and a crappy wide receiver. What if we were choosing between, you know, Irv Smith and Tyler Conklin or Irv Smith and a decent wide receiver? And I don't think it should have been this hard to find one. I think that's totally a valid critique of the Vikings. So Holy Grail is getting all of the skill players. And hey, maybe Amir Smith-Marset breaks out or maybe BC Johnson has a third year breakout or a fourth year breakout or whatever it is that maybe something like that can happen but barring that miracle uh it's uh, gonna be an irv conklin 12 personnel kind of season and that can do things that an irv uh kyle rudolph one could not all in all the offense is not going to change as much in its usage of particular players 
Irv Smith's going to be used on, you know, as a starting tight end, like he already was. Tyler Conklin's going to be a starting tight end, like he already wasn't. And they'll mix in whoever the third wide receiver du jour is. And I'm sure that leaves a lot of mailbag questioners disappointed. I get like two mailbag questions a week about how is there going to be a new wide receiver three? And you know what? Probably not. It's going to be a fake one, and that's going to be Irv Smith. And look, I think that's fine. I don't think their offensive approach was particularly bad in 2020. It was like 11th best with abysmal protection. If that protection gets better, they can become a top 10 offense. And I think that's a good place for the Vikings to be if their defense can live up to the expectations with all that that. Uh, veteran presence. And honestly, the biggest problem with their approach was that it ran a lot of clock because of the running. And that had as much to do with like slow huddles as it did with like actual play calling and decision making. So I'm not going to be sad to watch the Vikings trot out the same offense they trotted out in 2019 and in 2020. That was either on the cusp of top 10 or firmly inside the top 10. I'm fine with running that particular thing back and trying to fix the interior of the defense. There are lots of interesting things you can do with Irvin Conklin, and it seems like that's the Vikings' intention. Speaking of interesting permutations, there are nine of them at Built Bar, nine delicious flavors, including but not limited to coconut, almond, chocolate, raspberry, chocolate, mint, brownie, peanut butter brownie is my personal favorite. If those things sound good to you, but maybe you're trying to lose or maintain weight, you're trying to be good, and you're thinking, well, I can't possibly have like a peanut butter brownie bar think again they are low sugar they are low calorie they are low carb they're high protein they're high fiber it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar it is fooling you it's tricking you Irv smith is a fake wide receiver three this is a fake candy bar that tastes exactly like the real thing and it is delicious and it won't even knock you off keto if you're doing the keto thing so head on over to builtbar.com enter promo code locked 15 l-o-c-k-e-d-1-5 you get 15 percent off of your next order that's promo code locked 15 at builtbar.com Figure since we talked about the uh, 12 personnel thing, we can do a story time series today about somebody who might get in in 11 a little bit. It's Amir Smith-Marset, Vikings fifth round pick. He grew up in Newark, New Jersey, and he didn't even start playing football until his sophomore year. He was a swimmer and a water polo kid growing up, and he went to St. Benedict's Prep School in Newark. But before that, as like a 13-year-old, his teachers and coaches had a lot of trouble getting him to focus. He showed up one day to swim or polo practice uh, late. He was like disorganized, and they made him sit out as you do you know hey you showed up late you got to sit out practice today and in his boredom as he's kind of sitting on the sideline he was like dancing around and he was kind of messing around like a you know a hyperactive uh you know kid full of energy will and he slips and he falls and his tooth goes through his lips and he needs dental work and stitches and that is a moment where Amir smith marset seems to kind of calm down a little bit and and his uh teachers and coaches kind of noticed that they call it like almost a wake-up call for him this moment where he was kind of upset about making a mistake and then it turned into something way worse um so he's a promising swimmer but unfortunately he isn't able to stay at saint benedict prep school in his sophomore year he transfers to a public high school in the same area which is week high and week high does not have a pool this is a problem. He can't do water polo. He can't do swimming. He can't do anything else. But he's got to do athletics. He's this kid full of energy and full of like inspiration and, and, and determination. So he decides, hey, I grew up an Eagles fan. This should be fun. Let's get into football. 
And as a swimmer, he's got like crazy cardio ability. He's got like swimmer's lungs, right? Where he can sprint up and down all day without breaking a sweat while everybody else is sucking wind. So he decides to play as a cornerback, which is what he played in high school, but he needed to learn the game. He was kind of new to this. So he grinded a ton of tape. There's even a funny story about his grandmother coming in and saying, man, you're still watching tape. Like he annoyed his grandmother. He was watching so much film, trying to learn the nuances of football, route concepts, things he has to cover. Now, Wigwag High School was not a huge program. It was kind of off the radar. But in Smith-Marset's senior season, they end up winning state thanks in no small, small part to his contributions. And that garners some attention. He kind of puts this school on the map. Um, so as a cornerback, he gets a lot of attention, specifically from the, the, the BIG, which is kind of fun. Uh, so he commits to Rutgers. But he sort of jumps the gun and he and and he does this very, very early. As I've said before, with the recruiting process in the NCAA, it's really a handshake until you enroll. All you can really do, you can't like commit to somebody in any sort of binding way. You can just kind of tell somebody, you can announce it on social media, you can do everything, but ultimately there's nothing stopping you from backing out. And so other schools continue to recruit Smith-Marset. Minnesota University of the Golden Gophers, PJ Flex first year, they like hard sell him. And he actually comes comes away feeling like coerced almost, like he like they were too pushy or something, which I don't know, makes sense for PJ Fleck. But Iowa ends up feeling just right and better than Rutgers. So he decommits to Rutgers, leaves them at the altar, and he commits to Iowa where they move him to wide receiver. So again, he's got some catching up to do. But overshadowing all that catching up to do, I mean, he has the work ethic to do it and he makes the transition beautifully, but there's some kind of behind the scenes maturity stuff still going on with Amir Smith-Marset. And most of it in college is held very close to the vest. They are even less accessible than NFL teams when it comes to this kind of stuff. It's all very vague. Disciplinary measures can often happen and never ever be revealed. We actually still don't know 100% for sure why Holton Hill was suspended a bunch at Texas because that was all in college stuff. There's reports and we can kind of guess that it was his marijuana thing, but we don't actually know. They never they don't are under no obligation to ever tell us. So it's always going to be a little bit vague, but they always say things like we need him to buy in. We, we, you know, his maturity, he needs to kind of uh, get better focus. And it seems like he's kind of all over the place. But his coach, Kirk Ferentz, kind of stands by him and he says, you know, yeah, we've got to keep him in line a little bit was the phrasing he used. But he's spirited and we love him and they they love the personality of Amir Smith-Marset. It's just a matter of kind of keeping him pointed in the right direction. So coming into the 2019 season, after what we'll call an up and down spring, and there's all kinds of these rumors and reports and headlines that come out during the 2018 season and 2017 season about uh, Amir Smith-Barset's maturity. And there's one time the coaches like have to ask him to, to put his phone away. And then this even goes a little bit too public. And despite pretty good play on the field, this seems to kind of be a thing between him and the coaches. So uh, the 2019 spring for him was, uh, they called it up and down. And at the end of every school year, every Iowa football player goes into Kirk Ferentz's office and they have a little sit down, a little one-on-one. And with Amir Smith-Marsets, there is this tone that is almost disciplinary when you hear them talking about it, where, hey, we got to have a talk about maturity. 
this game is going to pass you by if you don't kind of grow up a little bit. And that's the, the, the grow up message is the one that Amir Smith-Marset takes away where it's like time to take this seriously. So he does something that he always planned to do, which is cut off his dreadlocks. He had these big dreadlocks and he said he wanted a more adult look, more grown up look. So he said, all right, I'm cutting off my dreadlocks. He always planned to do that, but it kind of goes into his the, the narrative of him kind of embracing maturity and embracing a more uh, adult look, I guess, in his opinion. And of a little more substance, he approaches his 2019 summer parts of his workouts with a lot more maturity and his coaches take notice. And there's a whole bunch of headlines in like August of 2019 about like, whoa, Amir Smith-Marset has totally turned a corner in terms of his maturity. And he has a really good 2019 season. Then comes the 2020 season. And after we find out that like, yes, there will be a season in the BIG and Iowa will play football in 2020, um, it's going pretty well too. But in that 2020 season, Amir Smith-Marset will make two mistakes that are going to follow him around for a long time. The first one comes in November where he gets pulled over going 70 in a 30 with a 0.13 blood alcohol content. So he gets a DUI and it kind of sours all that goodwill that he had gotten with the coaches and the staff and, the, and you know Iowa at large. And the second one comes about six weeks later where he catches and houses an amazing 53-yard touchdown, uh, juking people, you know, making this awesome play after the catch and he front flips into the end zone and he injures his left ankle and that would end up uh, being the last time he ever put on an Iowa uniform. It wasn't a huge injury. It didn't affect his draft process or anything like that, but he would miss the next few weeks and it was December. So that was kind of all that was left. So all of this stuff though is off field on the field. He's dynamic. He's exciting. He's like slight of frame. He's got a drops issue a little bit, but otherwise he's totally draftable. So he goes to the fifth round to our beloved Minnesota Vikings. And now he's going to compete with Chad Beebe and BC Johnson for that third wide receiver slot as a fifth round pick. You're not guaranteed a roster spot at all. So if Smith Marset like absolutely sucks. He could Rodney Adams his way out of the out of the league. Um, doesn't sound like it's going that way, but we'll of course have to see how things go in the preseason. And usually, even if you get cut from the team, you get put on the practice, you get stashed on the practice squad, and you get to, to try again next year. So he has a chance here. The constant kind of narrative about maturity is I think something that he needs to shed from himself and if he can do that in training camp if he can uh you know be the model citizen and it sounds like for everything we know he's doing this he can do a lot to kind of shed that troublesome uh dark cloud that followed him around all the time at Iowa and just be the dynamic and explosive dude that he always knew he was able to be, even when he was playing water polo at the age of 14. I'm super excited to watch Amir Smith-Marset in the preseason. Maybe the most exciting person to watch in the preseason uh, entirely. I'm really, really hyped to see how he does. Uh, we'll talk about something tomorrow. We'll see what it is. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL and the show's on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. Make sure you check out the Locked On Today podcast. I was on it. Uh, we talked about the Vikings. He's doing a little 32-team series, and it was the Vikings' turn. Uh, over there under 20 minutes every single day they're talking about everything in the wide world of sports so make sure you don't miss out on that i'll see you all tomorrow and as always skull